Good morning. Would you please stand? And together we're going to lift up our voices as we sing the chorus. We are standing on holy ground. We are standing on holy ground. Father in heaven, we come before you, and Lord, holy, holy, holy are you as God Almighty. We lift you up, we exalt you, we come to worship you this morning, and I pray that it would be your Holy Spirit that works in our hearts and our souls, drawing us near to you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Please be seated. Thank you. 
like you to turn with me, if you would please, to the Gospel of Luke. We're going to go to chapter 22. I'm going to read to you verses 1 through 6 this morning. Luke chapter 22, verses 1 through 6. As we approach Easter, there's so many events that take place around Easter that I want to kind of jump the gun a little bit. So we're headed towards all things surrounding Easter when we come to this particular text. In fact, we find Israel gathering, gathering for the celebration of unleavened bread. It is the annual celebration that Christ would have gone to Jerusalem for with his apostles as he was even raised as a child. They would have done this. So as we approach Luke chapter 22, we understand that this is, this is a time of great celebration in the nation of Israel. They're gathering together. They're coming together to celebrate God setting them free out of Egypt, to celebrate that Passover event. All of that is getting ready to take place in the, uh, in the text leading up to, to the crucifixion and the resurrection, all through these latter chapters of the Gospels. So let's ask God's blessing, and then I'm going to read to you these six verses this morning. Father in heaven, I pray that you be with us as we look into your word. I ask that you would bring clarity and understanding. Help us to take what we see and understand and apply it to our lives. That we might take these truths and be more than hearers, but doers. Lord, we know that all your scriptures are given to us, both Old Testament and New Testament. That we might learn from them. And I pray that we would be able to learn this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Luke chapter 22 verses 1 down through 6. It says, Now the feast of unleavened bread drew near, which is called the Passover. And the chief priests and scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. Then entered Satan into Judas, surnamed Iscariot, being of the number of the twelve. And he went his way and communed with the chief priests and captains, how he might betray him unto them. And they were glad and covenanted to give him money. And he promised and sought opportunity to betray him, to betray him unto them in the absence of the multitude. So here, as I said, we find the nation of Israel gathering, gathering for the feast of the unleavened bread, which is Passover. It's the celebration where they look back to Egypt and how that God protected the nation of Israel, brought them out of Egypt. They were, the death angel passed over the Israelites and killed the firstborn of all those who did not put blood on the doorposts at their house, all symbolizing the coming crucifixion of Christ. So for the Jews, this was a great time. They looked forward to it all year long to come to Jerusalem and celebrate. Title of our message this morning is Beware of Evil. Interestingly, in the midst of this celebration, in the midst of the people of Israel celebrating the redemption of God, we find evil creep up and raise its ugly head. And it teaches us that in our lives, even in the midst of celebration, even in the midst of having a great time, a, a time of fellowship, a time of unity, all of a sudden, 
evil can rise up and rear its ugly head. And we see that take place right at the beginning. As we look into verse 1, it says, Now the feast of unleavened bread drew nigh, which is called the Passover. And then listen to verse 2. And the chief priests and scribes sought how they might kill him. So we find that even in the midst of all this celebration, evil is in the background waiting for its opportunity. Waiting to rise up, waiting to step right into the middle of the celebration. In fact, evil has a tendency to maintain a covey of cohorts. In other words, a circle, a peer circle is there waiting to go ahead and bring evil into the circumstances. You see, Satan is somebody who looks and watches and waits for that group of people who are willing to say, Yes, here am I. Let me be a part of evil. And that's what you see taking place in verse 2. It says the chief priests and scribes, they sought how they might kill Jesus. And why? Because they feared the people. They didn't want to just step in and arrest Jesus. They weren't ready to do that. They feared the people because the people loved Christ. They were celebrating Christ. They welcomed him into Jerusalem, laid their coats in the street, so that he could come in. All the religious powers of that day feared who Christ was. They didn't want to in, uh, admit that he was the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God. And so instead, they're in the background conspiring, looking, watching, waiting for an opportunity to rise evil into the midst of this celebration. In fact, how did they do that? They look to the inside of the circle. Isn't that interesting? They didn't go to the Roman soldiers and say, let's figure out a way we can kill Jesus. They went to the inner circle. They went to the inner part of 12. That's where evil raised its head. Look with me at verse 3. Then entered Satan into Judas, surnamed Iscariot, being one of the number of the 12. The 12 apostles. Those who were handpicked by our Lord Jesus Christ. There you find evil. You find Satan. Sneak into the midst of the twelve and find the weakest link. Find that Judas Iscariot who's willing in the midst of the celebration. In the midst of all that's transpiring. He is willing to be a handy tool of evil. You see, Satan loves to divide. Luke chapter eleven seventeen says, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against a house faileth. So we find that Satan loves to get in there and divide and create chaos and to create destruction. He does it in families. He does it in businesses. He does it in churches. He does it in communities, in nations, and even in the world. He's a divider. A destroyer is the master of evil. Galatians chapter 5 verses 14 and 6 through 16 says, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, but if ye bite and devour one another, take heed, that ye be not consumed one of another. That's a powerful verse. 
You see, Satan loves to get in the midst and just create that chaos, that division. He loves to rise evil up in the midst of what appears to be unity. I mean, who would expect to find evil in the midst of the 12? Now, we in hindsight know, but then they didn't. They didn't know that Judas Iscariot was so evil. But Satan knew. Then entered Satan into Judas, according to verse 3, surnamed Iscariot, being the number of the twelve. And he went his way and communed with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him unto them. So Judas Iscariot went to those Pharisees, those Sadducees, those, those religious leaders of the day. He went and volunteered. Why? Because Satan had gone ahead and raised his ugly head. Because evil had crept into his heart and into his life. I often quote to you 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 that says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And that's a reality in all of our lives all the time. We must beware that we do live in the midst of a battle. Just as they in the midst of the celebration of Passover, the unleavened bread celebration that they looked forward to all year, they needed to beware. They needed to be alert. They needed to be in tune to understand that evil was looking for the opportunity to creep in. Mom and dad, you need to understand that your boys and girls, whether they be two or 22, Satan looks for an, an opportunity to creep evil into their lives. My son Josh was uh, a police officer for years. He was the sergeant for ACAC, uh, Crimes Against Children. And just recently, they put out a documentary movie. He, he sent us a preview link to watch it. And it's about a case where him and his other uh, officers brought charges and arrested a, a United States pilot. He was a fighter pilot stationed all around the world. And in his stations around the world, he would, he would take and use his cell phone and he would disguise himself as a teenage boy and he would go on all these social apps and pursue young girls as young as 12 years old. And all he did was coax them and coerce them to send him pictures. Started out very innocent, and then he'd get them to expose a little more. And as soon as they did something that he thought they would be ashamed of, he would do all the background to know who their grandparents were, who their classmates were, where they went to school. And he would go ahead and he'd write and say, if you don't show me more, then I'm going to send these pictures to your mom, your classmates, your principal. Hundreds of little girls around the world were coerced into horrible things. One little girl committed suicide. So Josh and his team of police officers and the federal government, 
They went back and they researched and they were able to download from all around the world. And they reached out to as many as they could find. They brought charges and this man went away for 50 years. He's going to serve 50 years in a federal penitentiary. Why do I tell you that illustration? Because evil looks for opportunity. The interesting thing is some of these girls, he had actually sold their link to other men. So they're all coming on with the identity of this little teenage boy. And they thought they were talking to one person. They were talking to many men who were coercing and manipulating because he sold their addresses to them. Evil looks, watches, waits. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, evil itself, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Mom and dad, we've got to be aware. We've got to be alert. Grandma, grandpa, we've got to be aware. We've got to be alert. But it's not just children. It's also adults, isn't it? Adults get drawn in and, and tempted and tested. And sometimes they fail and it destroys their marriage, their occupations, their families. Satan watches. Evil waits. Even in the midst of the best times. A celebration of the unleavened bread when all the nation comes together for Passover. And there is evil raising its ugly head. It's interesting when you come down to verses 5 and 6, we find the response of the religious leaders who have been approached by Judas Iscariot. It says in verse 5, And they were glad and covenanted to give him money. And he promised and sought opportunity to betray Christ. And unto them in the absence of the multitude. As we look at this text, we see that as evil looks for the opportunity, we find that evil celebrates the failure of the weak. Do you see that? It says that these, these scribes, they celebrated that Judas Iscariot had come so low. You see, evil celebrates in the destruction of others. Evil celebrates in the weakness and failure of even the strong. The Lord Jesus Christ, when he chose Judas Iscariot to be an apostle, why did he? He knew he's God in the flesh. He knew who Judas Iscariot was, but he wanted all of us throughout the generations to learn from this very example. For us to understand we are never so strong that we cannot fall. And those who pull us down celebrate when they do. I've told you many times, I worked in machine shops for years. Last machine shop I worked in, I was 32. I started when I was 16. I was in high school, worked every day, got out of school at noon, and went to work in the same town right at a machine shop. Did that until I was 32. And through those years, I worked in small shops. The one I started in, it was just the owner and me. And he taught me how to machine. And then when I went off to college, I worked for a big plant. We had many machinists. I worked the third shift. 
And then through the years, even in ministry, I was bivocational. And sometimes I worked for big shops. I worked for Warner and Swayze in Worcester, Mass., when I was the uh, uh, youth leader at the church there. And um, they had hundreds and hundreds of machinists. But whether it was a big shop or a small shop, once they found out I was a Christian, they would lean hard on me, especially when I was a pastor, bivocational. They'd say, come on, Tim, come on. I'll buy you beer at lunch because they wanted to see me drink. I said, no, I don't drink. Ah, oh, it's okay, it's okay. We'll just do a little pot. I'll give you a doobie if you come with us and go to lunch. No, I'm not going to smoke pot either. In which I personally could not even figure out how these guys who are running the same machines I was running wanted to drink and smoke pot and then put their hands in machines. I don't know. I, didn't, I couldn't figure that out. I didn't want to, nor did I want to be any part of that. But they never gave up. Through all the years of working in those shops... It was a game for them. If I had given in, if I had gone ahead and said, oh, all right, all right, okay, let's go. Let's go ahead, we'll do a little pot, we'll drink. They would have celebrated. They'd have thought, wow, we got Taylor to go with us and blah, 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 blah. Evil celebrates when it pulls you down. And that's exactly what happens here. Evil celebrates in the downfall. And you and I, we grieve our failures. We grieve every time we trip up. Peter, when he was outside the wall and Christ was in that mock of the trial. And people came up to Peter and said, aren't you one of his disciples? Aren't you one of his? Peter denied him three times. And then it tells us that Jesus looked. And his eye caught Peter's. And Peter left that place weeping. You see, we don't celebrate our failures. We all struggle and stumble. And there, there are times in our lives when we, we wish we had come forth victorious. But instead, in some way, we failed our Lord. The Bible tells us to come to him. To confess our sins and he's faithful and just to forgive us. That's what he looks for from us. We know Judas Iscariot doesn't do that. We know they celebrate his failure. It tells us in verse 6, and he promised them that he would seek the opportunity to betray, to betray Christ. And he did. We know the story, don't we? I want you to turn with me, if you would, to, the, uh, to James, the epistle of James. Look with me at chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. James chapter 4, listen to verses 7 and 8. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. You see, God wants to empower us. He wants to tool us up that we are prepared for when evil raises its ugly head. Even in the midst of celebration, we need to be alert and aware. Your family might be doing great, but you need to be alert. 
Your kids might be doing wonderful. They're getting excellent grades. They're doing just phenomenally well. And you decide, you know what? You're doing so great. Let me give you... Why is that happening? That does not normally happen. You're going to make it not happen? I'm going to touch it. There, that'll be okay. All right. <laughs> the magic touch. The devil knew I was getting ready to go on a tear. You and I as parents, our kids, they look like they're doing so great. And we want to reward them. And we live in a day and an age where you can reward them with some amazing things. And so you have that iPhone, what's it up to? 13. 13. I can't keep track. So you, 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 you look and you say, for a mere $2,000, I can give my 10-year-old an iPhone 13. Because they got all straight B's at school. <laughs> and so you... You buy that phone and you give it to your kid and you think to yourself, this is such a wonderful gift. But you have just opened to that child a world bigger than you and I even know. I tell my grandsons, because their, their parents won't give them a phone. I tell them, guys, listen, if all you need a phone for is to call home if something happens, I'll buy you a jitterbug. Let me buy you a jitterbug. And you can make an emergency call. You have to explain what a jitterbug is. How many of you know what a jitterbug is? It's just a little simple phone that they advertise on TV for elderly people. <laughs> so my grandkids who are, who are you know, they range from about nine to 14. They look at Grampy like I'm insane. Like they're gonna, they're like they're gonna carry a jitterbug. No way. But they don't know how sincere I am, because I know that they do not need it. 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. They don't need access to the entire internet world. Well, maybe they need to make an emergency phone call. Here, you can have a jitterbug. Make an emergency call. Why do I say that? Because the world we live in is full of evil. And we oftentimes are as innocent as those Israelites who came to Jerusalem. They entered into the city. They came to celebrate the Passover. God giving them victory at freedom out of Egypt. But all the while, lingering in the background, in the midst of the crowds, amongst all the people, was evil waiting, waiting, watching. I'm not telling you that every day you should get up and be bummed out and look, oh, the world is so evil. Woe is me. I'm not saying that. But I am saying you need to be alert. You need to be aware. I've mentioned many times I, I raised a few head of cattle for fun. Three beefers, my backyard. Beefers are an interesting thing. 
They are alert. They're not bright, but they're alert. So I tell my grandkids again, don't run into the shed because it scares the cows. They go nuts. They, they'll bolt, they'll run out of there because they're worried about predators. Now, lions, tigers, and bears have not been in their lives. Whatever it is they're afraid of, I'm not sure, but they are alert. As soon as I click the latch on their shed, they get up and they're looking. What is it? And you and I, we are lulled into foolishness. Evil is there. It wants to destroy your kids. Evil wants to destroy your marriage. It wants to destroy your community, your church, your career. It's very real. You have a responsibility to be alert. I took you to the book of James and it gave you just a simple formula. And that's what I'm going to close with. I want you to look again with me at James chapter 4 verses 7 and 8. Listen to the formula. Submit yourselves therefore to God. That's number one. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's number two. Draw near to God. Number three, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hearts, your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. It's a simple formula, but it's one that empowers us and enables us. Twice he talks about drawing near to God. He talks to you and I about resisting the devil, cleansing our hands and our hearts. It's purposeful. It's you and I deciding, I am not going to be a victim. Years ago when Josh was a policeman, uh, Sandra Joe texted him and said, Josh, I want to know how to, to handle a handgun. Now I told her, I said, Sandra Joe, I can show you how to handle a handgun. She said, yeah, but he's trained. <laughs> okay. And I agree, he's trained. So on vacation one time, he came back up to Vermont and took her in the backyard and got, got out a gun. And he started her off right from the very basics. You know, here's a barrel, here's this. It went right through the whole thing. And then when he left, he gave her a book. He said, I want you to read this book, Mom. It's not about guns. It's about being aware of your circumstances, your surroundings. Because he said, the biggest problem, it's not whether you've got a gun. It's whether you're aware of what's going on around you. And that is our biggest problem. We forget that we have an enemy who wants to creep into our lives, who wants to do us harm. Our children, our parents. We need to be aware. And that is why God tells us in the book of James, submit to the Lord, resist the devil, draw near to God, cleanse your hearts and purify your hands. Or cleanse your hands and purify your hearts. You and I, we have to be purposeful. My challenge to you this morning is we are no safer today from evil than the nation of Israel was when they were going to celebrate Passover. 
It just lingers and waits and watches. And you and I must beware. Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, as we come to the end of our service, I pray that you would stir us and draw us nearer to you. Help us to understand that you are our rock. You are our safety. Help us to draw near to you. Help us to submit to you. Lord, help us to be aware and resist the devil that he might flee from us. Help us, Lord, to cleanse our hands and purify our hearts that we might be in tune with you and out of tune with evil. I pray that you'd help us to be good parents, grandparents. Help us to be mentors of the next generation that they might be aware and alert. And as we come to the end of our service, Lord, I pray that it would be your spirit that moves in each of our hearts and helps us to see our spiritual need. If there be one person here that does not have Christ as their savior, then I pray that today would be the day of salvation for them. If there be one parent here that has become complacent, I pray that they would be more alert. If there be one family here who in the midst of their celebration, their happy days, that they have forgotten to be alert and to be aware, I pray that today they would learn to look up and to look and to be alert. We pray that your Holy Spirit would bring to our remembrance the things we learn, that it might be your spirit that guides us and protects us through each day. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.